damn right! The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And today, we have on a very special guest, Charlotte Eisebert, who will be joining us from her home here in the United States, in the New England area, I believe. Welcome to your... Wednesday edition, I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. This is Discussions. You've joined winwoodradio.com. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Ian Trottier on both of those. And that's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. I want to quickly thank... The following person for recently following me on Twitter, Dr. Gina Gentry Loden. She advises, I believe, the current administration. She's on the media advisory board. So, Gina, if you listen, thank you. We're going to dive deep today. And what I just played for you is, of course, a speech by John F. Kennedy. I played a snippet last week for you. What is Kennedy talking about there? Secret societies? Repugnant? What does that have to do with the U.S. Constitution? What does that have to do with the way that you know life as you live in a free society of the United States or any other society that you may be living in 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 the world? And if it's not free, you should be striving to make it free, i.e. Venezuela or Cuba. What happened last week in Florida? Yet again, another incident of a mass shooting. I'm in Miami. I'm in the Wynwood District. You're on Wynwood Radio. You're tuning into it anyway. I'm on it. And that school is within... Probably 50 miles of where I broadcast. This is a hotbed, folks. I started this program over a year ago, just shy of being over a year ago. And I started it because of the Zika threat and a pesticide controversy. The road that I went down has led me to my guest today. And her name is Charlotte Iserbit. She's 
Nation, American freelance writer and former senior policy advisor. How JFK ties in is the following. Senior policy advisor Charlotte was in the Office of Educational Research and Improvement of the U.S. Department of Education under the Reagan administration. Charlotte attended the Dana Hall Preparatory School, studied business at Catherine Gibbs College in New York City, and here's the tie-in to that speech I just played for you, or snippet of. Eisenberg's father and grandfather were graduates of Yale University. So, Ian, what does Yale University have to do? John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy is a yeah, Harvard grad. In 1982, Eisenberg was openly opposed to a project called BEST Best, the Better Education Skills Through Technology. The project was brought about by Canadian Dr. John L. Goodlad of the University of Washington. I spent four years of my life in the Northwest. I know it well. I lived in Oregon. Parents do not own their children. Good lad is quoted as saying. Children. They have no natural right to control their child's education. That is a direct quote from the developing Democrat Democratic character in the young, page 164. You can find that on my website. Again, that's iantrottier.com. Also part of that project, the book, Schooling for a Global Age, was one that Charlotte was most critical of. Eisenberg's critique was that the study had less to do with fostering learning and mainly to do with the psychological manipulation of students, most possibly against the teachings of that, of their parents. Do you agree with that statement right there? I'm not a parent. I certainly know plenty of, and I have parents of my own, obviously. But I suppose that if I were a parent... I would want my child to learn what I wanted them to learn. Of course, it's up to them to learn what they want to learn. Let me carry on. Charlotte's book, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. That's the title of her book. The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. Reveals certain practices integrated into the American public education system that eliminate a parent's home influence on the child and instead, Eisenberg argues, mold the child's thinking patterns into that of a member of the proletariat and into that of a socialist collectivist world. Wait, but Ian, aren't we beyond the Cold War? This is Eisenberg's argument. She asserts that these principles originate from plans formulated by the Andrew Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Education and the Rockefeller General Education Board. Her book details the psychological methods used to implement and put into effect such changes. The Carnegie Corporation's Conclusions and Recommendations Report is documented as proposing to, this is the quote, Use the schools to change U.S. capitalist economic system to a lifelong communist planned economy. I believe that's the 1930s. Eisenberg today argues that a Reagan Gorbachev education agreement in the 80s is, because it's still in effect and was then, 
aimed at brainwashing Americans to reject traditional American values in favor of humanistic globalist agenda in something you probably had no idea existed called the United Nations Agenda 2030. That would be the year 2030, like 13 years from now. There's an agenda to what the UN would like to see come that year. So if you're an American, you might be stepping back and saying, wait a second, I thought the gold standard, if you will, for how our government should run, and we certainly we can argue that because it's being upheld. Mm. But that's why I put a link to the U.S. Constitution on my website. Now, I'm not opposed to the U.N. I'm not opposed to a united world. I'm not opposed to peace, happiness, love for all. But is what Charlotte saying take merit? Does it have merit? Is there a deliberate dumbing down of America? There's a society that her father and her grandfather were a member of in New Haven at Yale University. And this whole road started for me because a friend of mine asked me to investigate a pesticide that was being used on the Zika virus. Well, he asked me to listen to the argument in the Miami Beach Commission chamber. And from there, what I studied and what I learned led me right into the hands of somebody named Anthony Sutton. We're going to hear Charlotte's relationship to Anthony Sutton, who no longer is with us. He's since passed, but he's a former Stanford Hoover fellow. And Charlotte knew him fairly well. By the way, Charlotte lost her position as senior policy advisor in the Department of Education under Ronald Reagan. Due to her opposition and her stance of elements of the project known as BEST. She'll be joining us in about five minutes next week, folks. Ellen Brown, founder and president of the Public Banking Institute a nonpartisan think tank devoted to the creation of publicly ran banking system, will be joining the program. Ellen obtained her JD from UCLA, where she served as book review editor. Former California Supreme Court Justice Rose Byrd, also happens to be a Stanford grad, said this of Ellen in the 80s. Her work on the restrictions of alternative medical practitioners in California, a legal and economic analysis is an excellent and exhaustive review of case and statutory law. Ellen joins program next week, and she'll talk about her run a California state treasurer in 2004. 
and an article she wrote for the New York Times called Public Banks Are Key to Capitalism. Very important program, as I believe most programs are that I uh, put forth to you. Uh, I say most because there's been a couple where I've given most opinions. There's been a couple of programs where I, where I come on and give opinions. But of the 54, 55, uh, 56, somewhere in there, uh, episodes that I've done, I've, we've been very fortunate here at Windward Radio and on this program to receive some incredible guests to really understand the mechanics of what's happening in your country today, this conversation with Charlotte today will probably deliver one of the most educational As you may know, a few weeks ago, I interviewed author Ryan Walters and Senator from Mississippi, Chris McDaniel. The week prior to that, I'd interviewed author of Surviving 9-11, Christopher Bolin. My discussion with Ryan and Chris, that is McDaniels, or McDaniel, excuse me, caught the attention of Reporter at Talking Points Memo, major D.C. political publication. I've got that article up on my website if you care to check it out. Folks, this is an incredibly important time in this nation and in the direction of global unity again I'm not opposed to the United Nations I'm not a violent person I don't like violence one bit but you have to ask yourself if there is corruption and there are things happening that aren't in the best interest of you and your family you need to question those things. I'm going to break, and we'll be back shortly with Charlotte Iserbet. Thanks for joining Discussions on Winwood Radio. I'm your host, Ian Trottier.
Okay, welcome back. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. You're tuned in to Winwood Radio, and this is Discussions. Today we have an incredible guest, as I mentioned. Charlotte Azerbite joins us today. Charlotte, are you with us? Are you there? Yes, I am here. Right. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Now, Charlotte, I've told listeners that you are a former senior policy advisor for the Department of Education under the Reagan administration. That's right. You took a fairly strong view against a project best and right, basically right. called better education skills through technology which of course is computers right and uh, there's a doctor um good lad that uh, that is basically I, I mentioned the quote earlier on air but he basically is quoted as saying parents do not own their children they have no natural right to control their child's education. Is it that that you came out and was a, were opposed to? Well, I was opposed to uh, that particular grant, uh, Better Education Skills Through Technology. That wasn't, I mean, I've been opposed to John Goodlight's philosophy for many, many years. And actually, I will say that it was his project. Uh, which included four books uh, that uh, took over the whole education system in the United States. And I found that, that project, that grant, uh, that was just one of the grants I found, but probably that was the major one. The one I got myself fired for and leaked was Project Best, Better Education Skills Through Technology. And I guess the reason, my main reason for for uh, leaking that document to human events uh, was there were other things that were probably even worse than this, but when I saw in it a, a page marked confidential in that particular grant, technology one, which would put the uh, computer curriculum, which they wanted, the department had developed and all the different education groups had developed, into every school in the nation, you know, uh, that bothered me a lot. I was a former school board member. That really bothered me. But when I saw this page, it's, I'm not kidding you, it says confidential on it. It says, what we can control and manipulate at the local level. And then it listed the, the, uh, the, the uh, choosing of the advisors, the curriculum content, the task force, everything. And that really got me, because I think it was having been a local school board member uh, in Maine. And I always knew, when I was on the board, that everything that the federal government funded, the federal government controls, right? And so I, I was a very, uh, very aware of change agent activities in my particular school district. I think Maine was a pilot, uh, maybe the pilot, for education change from what you know in your head, academics to what you can do, perform, how you can perform for the global elite, right? So I always say it's spinning off profits, using our children lifelong. And uh, that's what's going in now. So I, I don't know, it would be difficult to ask me. Uh, I've been through, I know many of them well, change, the change agents, the education change agents. I've known them, I worked with them, I know them. I mean, 
and how many programs I've looked at that were absolutely devastating. I, I would hate to have to make a list. You know, my it, it would be impossible. My book has all of it in it, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. You know, it's a free PDF on the web. So all people have to do is go to my website, DeliberateDumbingDown.com, and they can read the 700-page book. Yeah, and 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 you bring up something. Uh, I haven't read the book, but you bring something. I've done research, of course, on you, and you've sent me some links, which I've which I've looked at, and there's plenty to discuss here, uh, as you've mentioned. But something of interest to listeners that I'm sure they have no clue about is something called the Carnegie Corporation's report: Conclusions and Recommendations. Yeah, that's a very important book, and you can't. You know, it's at my son's website. It's at americandeception.com, and all you have to do is type into the search engine, americandeception.com is the name of the website. Type into the search engine the word conclusions. And a little blue book uh, published in 1934, paid for the whole project by the Carnegie, Carnegie Foundation, uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's they admit right there, it was 1934, okay, uh, they admit right there that they will use the schools to change America's capitalist economic system to a planned economy. And there are much worse things in there. Even says sometimes take our land. They're probably going to be, in some cases, they're going to take our land. So they, they're not dealing just with uh, the schools, although most of it is, right? But that is a very, very important book. And uh, it is there. It's it, for your, you know. It's really worth mm-hmm. looking at. That it's a small book, you know. So it's not good. It's not like having to read my seven hundred pager, but uh, it's it is the uh, smoking gun. Yeah, it, it's a smoking gun, and the Carnegie Foundation funds um, a, a number of public education uh, platforms today. Oh yes, well Mark Tucker was deeply involved in the 80 I knew Mark I know Mark Tucker. Uh he was in my office because he worked there and uh then he went on to Rochester, New York and set up the Alliance National Alliance for Business and everything was all laid out it under it was under Reagan Reagan first uh and me my office was where it all started. Uh, just amazing that I happened to land in that particular job in that office i mean uh, i had i mean that was where our country's destiny was uh decided mm-hmm. were we going to remain uh a capitalist economic system with an academic education system at which recognizes free will or were we going to become through public private partnerships which is corporate fascism, that's the nicest label you can give it, where we're going to become like Cuba, China, Russia, whatever, where our children are nothing but pawns, and they have no say, even the parents have no say in what they're going to do in the future because uh, it's like the Cuban system or whatever. Uh, It's a quota system. And... uh, the corporations need a certain number of welders or whatever, and they go to the schools, which are now going to be the charter schools. Thank you, Betsy DeVos. Um, and uh, they say, we need ten welders. Well, maybe your son or daughter 
always wanted to be a welder from the time they were four years old, you know, getting into the mess in the in the mud or something. And uh, they just want to be a welder. And so along comes their having to make a decision early on, um, certainly even earlier than seventh grade often, uh, they're not going to be allowed uh, to be the welder if they happen to be number 11. Mm-hmm. And there are only 10 to be trained. So what you're looking at really is a totalitarian economic system, which, uh, which I mean, it's a failed system, but it doesn't fail the people involved in, in spending off the profits. Uh, also, it's not just our children. Uh, I have an incredible quote on the, at the top of the letterhead from the National Alliance of Business in the 1990s, which said kindergarten, I hope your listeners are sitting down now, (laughs) I do hope, (laughs) especially the older ones, you know, who may be 80 years old, okay, be better, sit down. It it says, National Alliance of Business says, kindergarten through age 80, Mm. workforce training. Wow. Zero. Oh, wow. That's disgusting. Oh, wow, yes, and that is what it is. And it's uh, what's gosh. happening. It's been in the works for many years. goes way back to the early 1900s. And uh, it's using the community lifelong. Everybody in the community is controlled. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they'll get their health. And, well, it's a pure communist system going in right now. Uh-huh. And uh, they had to have the, the workforce training. You know, they, they got it to, you know, fuzzy, nice-sounding, you know, school choice. Hmm? That sounds good, doesn't it? But if you go back to the 40s and you check the Chamber of Commerce's agenda, a terrible agenda, they supported regional government, they supported school vouchers, they supported they support everything that uh, Americans, if they knew... They probably would not be involved with the Chamber of Commerce, <laughs> and so it's not. It's been going on for so long, and uh, you know I've lived it. I mean, I can. I used to give interviews years and years ago, and you know I had all these sticky things, yellow stickies, all over the dining room sure. table. Yeah. Because I couldn't remember, you know, I got, I got to talk about this guy. I, talk about that. I mean, I, I could give an interview in my sleep now. Uh. <laughs> It's just, you know, I mean, uh, hopefully I would, you know, determine what was the most important thing that day that people wanted to know. But my head, my whole head is just jammed with this dreadful treason. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis, you know, he, he, he's great because he says things in a few words, which I don't. But, he, <laughs> you know, he said when training beats education, hmm. civilization, dies. There you go. Right. So, you There's know, no that arts. makes it a lot yeah. easier for your listeners. Sure. They don't have to listen to me. <laughs> listen to C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I mean, he would be, well, I'm sure, rolling over in his grave. I mean, why people do not understand. Well, they don't because they were the, their children were deliberately dumbed down. It's been going on for so long that those that we ordinarily could depend on, even in the 40, who are 40 years old or getting in their 50s, they've been subjected to this. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And they really don't understand that there was something before which had nothing to do with this. And I, there are quotes in my book, like, say, from the New York Times, because sure. that's always useful if you can get a quote the New York <laughs> Times or London Observer or whatever, Chicago Tribune. Uh, that It was a quote back in the 70s mm-hmm. where the New York Times was doing an article on how history uh, was going to be absolutely wiped off the face of the earth. We would no longer have history in the schools. And uh, they'd never, no longer teach, teach about George Washington crossing the Delaware, you know, whatever. And uh, our form of government, the Constitution, all that, that was going out. I mean, that's a quote in my book. In the all 50s. people have to do is go, yeah. go to deliberatedumbingdown.com and download the book. It's a PDF, and it has a fantastic index. Just marvelous. I use it myself all the time. Uh, I don't bother, you know, to try to find my own research. But I, I just go there and I scroll down. You can go. Well, you can go to Morris Seidlin. That's one of my favorites. He's the. That's the end of it, right? The end of the index is the. Yep. And Morris Seidlin is a sociologist, University of California, San Diego, in nineteen mid seventies. Okay. And he wrote an article for, of oh, the Communist Daily World. In which he, and that's in my book, the article, uh, in which he uh, deplores the fact that the United States wasn't new, moving fast enough towards regional government. Uh, and he says it worked so well. Where? In the Soviet Union. And so we've got it in now, thanks to all the neoconservative Trotskyites. I don't blame it on the left anymore, because, as you probably saw in my article, that. Democrats put their feet up on the desk and probably pulled a bottle of vodka out and said, wow, we're finished. <laughs> We've done our job destroying the kids' values in the 60s with all the horrible programs I saw in the 70s. But we've done our job. I mean, they, they've done their job in the 60s and 70s, right? And we've destroyed. Sure. We've done everything possible to destroy the teachers' values, to change teaching, to destroy the children's values. Now, and we've managed to imp- Start certainly do a good job implementing regional government, which is communism. And so, uh, whee, we've got Ronald Reagan coming in, and we got we we can expect him to bring all the neoconservative Trotskyites on board, which happened. And I was in the office where it happened. I was in the office where they had that phony nation at risk, big bandwagon. All the Americans fell for it. You know, create the problem, people scream. The dumbing down rights, people scream, and then you can impose any solution you want. But anyway, uh, the, the, the index has the Zeitlin quote, which is useful. The Zeitlin quote's useful. The Carnegie Conclusions and Recommendations, there's good stuff in my book on that. You don't even have to go to my son's website. Okay. That's useful. But the index, if you look at it, you're going to see hundreds of, of groups and associations and people Perhaps you've never heard of those people. I, I know them backwards and forwards now, but their goal was to absolutely destroy the Republic of the United States of America, which we are. We're meant to be a republic, everybody. Right. Everybody calls it a dem- democracy. Even, even Chief Justice what, Roberts, when he was yeah. inaugurated yeah. or whatever he was, I couldn't believe it. He called it a democracy. He referred to our country as a democracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, uh, that's a good 
example of the dumbing down. Uh-huh. The republic for and, which we stand. Yeah, I mean, really. Mm-hmm. And if people just would think about that one thing, and how many people know that? That I mean, I'm old. I'm getting there. I don't. I don't know. I'm still alive, and I'm. But I've got. You know, I got a good memory, and uh, so all I can say is that the neoconservatives, basically, that's my message right now. They took over. Okay. They implemented the agenda of the left. Yes, because they're the same at the top. Like Quigley said it, you know, in Tragedy and Hope. Carol Quigley. Carol Quigley, he said that, you know, both parties at the top are the same. And that's true. And so if at the top they're the same, that doesn't mean that all the people underneath are bad people. It's simply that the agenda is set. And so when you go to vote for whoever you think is going to be the right person for president or whatever... You know, uh, you're as he said, you're going to be voting for the person we selected. Right. And so we've been had that. I mean, it's really it's so evil to to, to what how they did it. I wrote an article. You could type it in. It's called "The Devil's Seven Prong Fork." Okay. Yeah, it's a good article, and I don't really even know how I wrote it. I it was after an interview like this, and. And I was, I'm so tired of beating up on the poor listeners that this was in the, in the 90s, I think. Okay. And uh, I was sort of saying, come on, get wake up, folks. You know, we don't have the rest of, of the century to cure this problem. And right. you've got to recognize what's happening, how they're using the schools, and just what, things I've been talking about, regionalism. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, after I got off, I thought, oh, you know, those poor people. I feel so sorry for them, because every time I do an interview, I beat up on these poor people. And it really, this came to me like a bolt out of the sky. It's not their fault. Mm. And I sort of rejected that idea. I thought, well, it certainly is their fault. You know, why don't they listen to me? But, you know, (laughs) so then I thought, hmm. And I started thinking, I thought, you know, okay, we've got the frog in the cold water. Gradualism. Okay, you're right, right. Then exactly. we've got uh, semantic deception. That means use of uh, words that sound good to all of us but have a totally different meaning to the change agents or whoever. Uh-huh. You've got that. Then you've got uh, endless amounts of money from the Federal Reserve. Right. <laughs> you, you know, you've got uh, the dialectic, which is, this is a funny one, well, it's not very funny, but I think it is. <laughs> the dialectic is when you, that's Hegel. You know, everybody says, oh, oh you know, she's going to start talking about the German philosophers. You know, well, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not going to bother you with, a, with Hegel. Okay, I'm just going to tell you a funny story. It was, first of all, you create the problem on purpose. Say you want to take over the local levels of tax funding and control at the state level. What do you do? You, you get the budget so high that the people start screaming. And then you come in, a kindly change agent comes in, and he says, well, you know, I don't know how you all are going to feel about this, but, you know, maybe we should just move the funding from the local level to the state level. That would really help you, you know, with your budget. Uh-huh. And everybody says, oh, goody, goody, goody. Sure. So, okay, bang, they got what they want, didn't they? Huh? That means they got the control at the state level. And, you know, so that, that's the way it works. And I, I often say, when I, before, when I was married, my husband's Belgian, and uh, 
you know, so, and now I have two boys, and they're about seven and nine, and I'm doing the laundry at home, and so my husband has all these white shirts in the laundry, and uh-huh. I throw, by mistake, a red sweater in, <laughs> and so his shirts turn out pink, and then the boys find out what mom had done, and then all three of them announced that I'm never allowed to do the laundry again. Sure, right. <laughs> well, you know, that's a very good way. That's the way people really understand Hegel. <laughs> well, what if I hadn't wanted to do laundry ever again? Right. That would have been exactly what I would have done, okay? So then again, we have controlled media. Okay. That's David Rockefeller in Baden-Baden. Uh, when he told all the controlled media guys over there, we know who they are. Uh, thank them for doing uh, what uh, Rockefeller and the rest of them needed, you know, uh, uh, pursuing the globalist agenda and not, you know, couching it in nice terms and also the people wouldn't know. So we have the media, media control. We have, uh, they're all, if you type in the devil's seven prong fork, you'll find it. The devil, the fork now has about 11 prongs, actually. I haven't <laughs> updated it, but I know what they are. But, uh, it is a diabolical plan, and uh, people can interpret that any way they want. You know, a lot of things out there look pretty diabolical right now. So, and yeah. uh, but it is because I don't believe the human. Maybe I just don't have that much uh, understanding of the human brain, but I just don't believe that any human being with a soul, sort of, yeah. could come up with such an evil agenda from every angle then you got you know UN agenda 2030 and everything we're everything we're looking at now and and then of course you know one of the prongs which which I didn't have in the original seven prong fork the biggest prong right now is diversion okay and that's been that way for about 2 3 years and uh they will like when they were going against uh, Common Core, uh-huh. which is awful. Common Core has been bad ever since it was invented in 1965, but they just kept changing the name. It used to be called the National Assessment, but then they changed the name. Of course, it's on the computer now. It's more dangerous, et cetera. But, so Common Core was the big, big bogeyman. So the neoconservatives had big bandwagon against Common Core. They got, oh, you know, we all know that. There isn't anybody on this planet who has not heard about how evil Common Core is, right? Right. So everybody's paying attention to Common Core. But what are they doing? Well, we're paying attention to Common Core, which we've always had, but it had different labels. Uh, They're slipping in Mm -hmm. school choice and charters with unelected boards. Right. Now, people could say, well, you know, what's so wrong with that, Charlie? I said, well, you know, if you want to give up your elective form of government, go ahead with it. you got to start somewhere, right? That's right. So what do you do? You start with education, which, believe it or not, at all three levels has a higher budget than the United States Department of Defense. Interesting. So when... That amount of money is being controlled wow. by public-private partnerships. And the wow. taxpayer doesn't have any right to vote on it at the poll or have any elected school board to control it. Wow. Uh, what makes people think that anybody's going to go down and vote for dog catcher? You're going to stop voting. That's right. 
That's right. And that's the end. That you know, that's the end of our. I mean, representative government. Yeah. Is so crucial, and parents. Right. I know a lot of parents out there understand it. I mean, it's not that local school boards have done that good a job. I mean, I was on the board, and you know, I, I know because I was in the minority. But some of the school board members were worse than the superintendent. Mm. Were much far further left, even because they were dumb too, right? Sure. Sure. At least the superintendent was smart. But so you can't, I'm not saying that you're, you're going to have to be careful with who you elect, and people have got to take the arrows and slings that good school board members have uh, received for many, many years. And God bless them, and God bless the teachers. And everybody beats up on the teachers. And now I, I probably would too, but they're just robots, right? They're not teaching. They're just, you know, operating. They're monitoring the computer work and the robots. Uh, you know. So, but, you know, a good 20 years ago, uh, the teachers were fighting hard to keep education academic and not performance based, results based, which is Skinner, you know, operant conditioning. Right. I could make a pigeon a high achiever by reinforcing it on a proper schedule. Well, we all know that. I, I love dogs. I'm a dog person. And, but my dog, I, was, I had, he just, she just died, which was very oh. sad, 10-pounder, ten, ten ten Dachshund. Oh. oh, my goodness. Yeah, and she, <laughs> she would sometimes look at me yeah. like, uh-uh. Oh, really? You know, the cheese is not going to work this time. <laughs> I love dogs. So, you yeah. know, I do think even animals have something in them. Of course. Where, yeah. But now everything is rewards. Right. And the right. community-oriented policing system that I've been beating up on for, for what, good 15 years now, which is like the, you know, the East German Stasi, that's another public-private partnership. Uh, I, I found out about that uh, in the, what, mid-90s, because they were putting it into Bath, Maine, where I lived. Interesting. And it was this little article about how the police were giving little gold medals. Yeah to citizens who do good deeds. Right. And it was up to the police to decide what the good deed is, right? <laughs> and I, because I've been fighting the Skinner thing for years, you okay. know, since the 1980s, certainly when I became educated, because <laughs> I was very uneducated prior to meeting Ann Herzer from Arizona, who was the great teacher who blew the whistle on the whole method of dog training oh. of our children, right? And, oh. uh, you know, so I became knowledgeable about it because of her... And when I saw that, I thought, hmm, gee whiz. What is it? And, I, and here I'm writing the article about it. Yeah. Let's see, I wonder what kind of a reward I'm going to get. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's, it's all of this that's going in now. And, and I blame, uh, I put the major blame at the, uh, the taxi, the, um, well, the taxi, yeah, the neoconservative organizations led by the Heritage Foundation. And they, Heritage has been involved ever since. 1980, when Stuart Butler from England came over, uh-huh. and uh, he did the original he the original uh, paper on socialized medicine. Interesting, huh? Uh-huh. Everybody beats up on Obama. Well, right. Butler did that, and then he stayed on until about four years ago. Interesting too. And then he moved on. He uh, he wears two hats. I think he wears Brookings Institute and Heritage. So anyway, uh-huh. he came over. 
And then Heritage, basically, I feel, prior to 1980, was probably sort of okay with the rest of the conservative organizations that I knew pretty well and worked with closely. Uh, but once Reagan got in and the neocons came on board, uh, everything flipped. And uh, then Heritage, uh, you know, they, first of all, you know, Stuart Butler did, did that with the health care. And then Heritage drafted the North American Free Trade Agreement. Uh. And then it got involved. It was very supportive of Ronald Reagan signing the agreements with Gorbachev and the, and the Carnegie Corporation signing the agreements with the Soviet Academy of Science. Horrible agreements. Oh. And then it went on to uh, be the major pusher of school choice and charters. And then it moved on to um, supporting the community-oriented policing system, uh, which is going in all over the country right now. So the, I think there are about seven things I just mentioned there. I didn't write them down. I, I think I've sort of remembered them okay. Uh, but look, yeah. now how can anybody say that an organization that has been that deeply involved right. in those things right. is anything other than you put the label on it? Right. And yet, the conservative movement out there keeps funding them. Right. Right. So, for listeners to really understand, I want you to first describe your relationship. There's a couple things, because your son's being persecuted, your son is exposing some of these things, but... Uh, prior to that, and then I also want you, well, I can bring that up in the latter, but but before you get into that, I want you to uh, describe your relationship with Anthony Sutton so that people understand um, from your family, your your involvement with um, what's known as 322, it's a society at Yale, and yeah. and, 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 and that's really the, the, the road that, that, that uh, about a year ago, I... I came across Anthony Sutton, and and it was in, in the 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 trail was actually a pesticide that was sprayed over Miami. Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, I uh, my father and grandfather were uh, members of the order, and uh, my dad never uh, did. He, he always had his his friends were all in the club. The members of the order were his closest friends his whole life after getting out of Yale, right? But he was not involved. In fact, um, I, I'm really proud of Dad. You know, during World War II, he was a lawyer, New York lawyer, and he, uh, when he realized that he was doing work for a French company that was cr- connected with the Nazis, uh, Dad quit. He lost a lot of money when he quit. He just wouldn't do it. And so my father was, my grandfather was, I'm sure he was involved in opening up the gold mines in South Africa. And he knew Sir A. Bailey and uh, all the top people out there uh, in the early, you know, the last 1800s, 1895. And my dad was born out in South Africa, too, and lived there for 15 years, you know, prior to World War, uh, prior to the beginning of World War One, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but as a, growing up in that family, I knew very little. Dad told me a lot more at the end, or maybe I just wasn't listening at the beginning, about uh, their agenda. Mm-hmm. But just little, you know, incidents with people he knew that shocked me. You know, I think he told me that one of them was, you know, the Hemlock Society. My 
my sister's godfather founded the Hemlock Society. Hmm. I think Dad had a little bit to drink that night, oh. <laughs> and he was smoking his cigar, and, and I thought, oh, what? You know, occasionally he would drop these little things, and you know. So then, get getting to Sutton yeah. in 1985, shortly before my father died, I was taking care of him in New Jersey. Uh, the postman came with these black catalogs that are at americandeception.com. And you can just type in skull, you know, skull, you know, like skull and bones, sure. skull. And you will see them because my son, who was the one that was had the two uh, murder attacks, uh, Sam decided finally to put, put them up. He just felt we waited 15 years, and then we decided to put them up. And, and we don't know US whether... We the retribution was due to the order or what? We really don't know, but you know we don't know anything about in that area. The what we've been fighting for three years now, we know nothing. But um, getting back to that day, so postman brings me those two books, and I open it up and I'm what? What on earth are these? You know, so I go in. I said, Dad, okay, Dad, here's the mail. You know, he's in bed, and he said. Gee, they never did that before. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they never published books like that hmm. with a membership. And I said, I didn't pay much attention. I said, uh-huh. Hmm. You know, and then it was very close to the, I have a feeling it was almost that day that Sutton called me because we had talked. He was very interested in Soviet affairs. Okay. And I was, too. I had worked in the State Department, you know, not high up by any means, you know, sort of administrative area, but I knew all the ambassadors well, and I knew what was going on, State Department, Middle East, and Soviet affairs, right? And so I was always interested in that and had, had been abroad, lived all over the world working, and, and uh, you know, so I had been talking to Sutton for some reason because he was so knowledgeable about Soviet affairs. And so he called. And he asked me, do you know anything about the order? And I said, yeah, um, yes. He said, you do? I said, yeah, I do. And he said, what do you know? I said, well, you know, my dad and grandfather were members of the order. And I said, you know, it's interesting you should ask me that today because we just got the membership book. He said, what? You know, and then uh, it ultimately, you know, he, he was great great gentleman. He said, look, you send them to me, I'll get them back to you, and at which uh, I did, and he did return them, and he told me that, you know, he'd taken them to Kinko's and put all the pages, I don't know how they did it, because the books are still in good shape, well, they really aren't, because Sam had to cut them up, you know, to put mm-hmm. them on his website, but uh, they were in very good shape when, when he sent them back to me, but he put the pages all over the dining room table, and he said, uh, oh, he said, you know, I've been, I just couldn't understand, you know, where, who is behind right. this agenda that I've been writing about, which he had, you know, Hoover Institute, all the books he wrote. Yep. He never could figure it out. He said, I now know. He said, it's so clear. And I said, wow, you know, good. I, I mean, I'm glad it's been useful. And he said, very, you know. And, mm-hmm. and then I stayed a bit in touch with him, and then he passed way and it was very sad and mm-hmm. and I know Chris Milligan well. In fact I wrote a chapter for Chris's book, you know, Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. Yes. Chris asked me to do that. 
and that that was sort of fun doing that because I managed to get pictures, you know, old pictures wow. that I had from the family into that chapter. And uh, so uh, Chris did a wonderful job with that book, Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. Wow. I think it's one of the best. And, you know, it's it's different from Sutton's. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both different. They both have to be read. Uh, Sutton, of course, he told me that the chapter he did on the Order's role in education, mm-hmm. he felt that was the most important work he ever did. Wow. And so, actually, it is a chapter in in his book, of whatever it's called, uh, it's a chapter, but it's also, it is also a free, I think it's at my son's website, How the Order Controls Education. It's an incredible wow. chapter. And at one point, I remember looking for it on the Internet, and it was something like $500. <laughs> and that's interesting because it's just a chapter in Sutton's book. Uh, but it is there. Uh, he did extraordinary research uh, way outside of anything I had ever done on education, but he used uh, the Leipzig Connection, which is probably, of all the books I've ever read on education, and I've read plenty, and and some I haven't read but I know about, you know, and uh, I would say that's a small book, by Lance Leone, Lance Leone or something, Lance Leone, and it's very small, and that is very important. And I suggest all your listeners go to on the web and they order through Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have to get that book, the Leipzig Connection. Leipzig Connection. Yep. So anyway, that's my story on. But Sutton used it too. Uh, I've used Leipzig Connection. He gave great, great credit to Leone, and uh, you know. So, but the, the the bottom line here is, I've always said it's it's the soul, the destruction of the soul, and through operant conditioning, you know, like animals don't have a soul. Although I swear my dachshund did, but it's the <laughs> destruction of the soul, and the soul can't be controlled. Interesting. I think that's when, uh, you know, the uh, German philosophers, like Wilhelm Wundt, uh-huh. uh, he did work on with people, you know, psychology and philosophy and all that stuff, and, and trying to help people or whatever, and he realized that he really couldn't control them. Harness. Uh-huh. He can't control the soul. All soul And so I always felt, you know, when they came up with this operant conditioning, and Skinner, and all at the direct instruction, the method that they used it on the inner city kids first, yeah. you know, for a good, well, how long? From 1965 to right now, they experimented on the inner city children with this method. Wow. And no grades, uh, uh, no competition. This is a Soviet system, see, for workforce training. And they used the inner city kids, and no wonder their test scores were flying down. And, and you could never get anybody, I could never get anybody to listen to me because, you know, they live in Greenwich, Connecticut, or wherever they live, you know, in a nice sure. place and everything, yeah. and they say, oh, well, that's not going on in our school. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I can assure you, a lot of it was going on in Maine because we are sort of like a third-world country. Eh? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had it here. 
and I hated it. And it was the individualized education. They call it that, and the parents think that sounds so good, you know, because their kids are going to get individualized teaching. Huh? No, no, no. It takes away the competition. It's the Soviet system. And we know that. All the research is in my book. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, I, I do mention the minorities because I think it's shocking again. They have been used, you know, always. I mean, mm-hmm. they can sort of get away with it because the minorities wow. just don't have that much of a, a voice yeah. in going. They're afraid to go to a school board meeting and to say right. this or that. or And uh, they were used. And then when they perfected it, which is probably about 10 years ago, then they, they threw the whole system out across the country. And it's going in everywhere because it's school to work. Obviously, you have individualized education for school to work, don't you? Hmm? Right. And it's performance-based, results-based, outcomes-based. All of that is Skinner, Pavlov. Incredible. And that's very sad because that is the loss of free will. That's right. That's the closest they can get to controlling the soul, perhaps. Yep, absolutely. And uh, that may have a lot to do with, and of course, the computer, you know, uh, Skinner's called the computer his box. Huh. And uh, he said, I could, I could make a pigeon a high achiever by reinforcing it on the proper schedule. There are all sorts of bad quotes in my book. and But it's very late in the game. Right. Uh, it is very, very late in the game. I'm, I, I think it's a tragedy that Donald Trump didn't listen to any of us in regard to the uh, school choice charter school agenda. And uh, he knew, he's a businessman, he knew what it was. And uh, then he selected Betsy DeVos, as a Secretary of Education, and nobody would listen to us. I, oh, boy, I've been writing on school choice and charters for 18 years now. Wow. 18 years. Yeah. And I couldn't get it published because everything I ever wrote was boycotted by these very people I told you about, the neoconservatives. Every group you can think of. Uh, Charlotte, do you have any comment... Um, a couple things. The UN Agenda 2030, where that's going as far as you're concerned. And then, yeah. do you have any comment in regards to something, an acronym, RMCT, Remote Mind Control Technique? And in your mind, does any of that relate to these ridiculous mass shootings that are going on? And is oh, well, there, I, yeah. I do think so. You know, I mean, when Columbine happened, yeah. Uh, way back, you know, in Columbine, the school there, and uh, that was in the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I was working on the book right then, and I, uh, I, I used to get Education Week, which is the <clears throat> education journal, and uh, there is a pretty good journal, but it's very, you know, it, it, it's funded by all the bad foundations and all, too. But anyway, so I wrote an article on Columbine, and I just... You know, it came out, I, I, I didn't know anything about anything really scientifically or medicine or anything. But I, I just said, look, isn't that natural with the kids looking at these games, these war games and everything, videos, right. etc. Right. Uh, I wrote this article and I said, you know, 
they do this day in and day out, and then they just decide to get up and they they march. You know, they're programmed. Yes, it's programming, uh, and they go to school and they shoot. And I I remember putting it in the fax machine, my article for Ed Week, and I thought, you know, sort of thumb my nose. Okay, <laughs> okay. And uh, by golly, Education Week put my article right in the middle of the page on Columbine. Great. So and then I thought, well. You know, maybe I really do know what what happened there. Right. You know, you just asked me. They have all sorts of new labels. The minute you catch on to something with a label, they give you a new label, right? And so, um, yes, I think that uh, the damage to the brains through all of this technology and uh, robotics, and you know, you know it better than I do. I mean, I I know how evil this stuff is, and it really is. Uh, there was an art. This the guy who was the head of the Project Best that I leaked about twenty years earlier. He's a computer scientist, and he he had written an article for the Association for Education Computing Technology way back in the mid seventies, maybe. Okay. And he said, uh, in regard to the computer, uh, he said, "Look, if you are programming, if you that's your job, and you've got to put a certain." curriculum on the computer courseware, whatever, he said, it doesn't make any difference whether you're liberal or conservative. You have to have a conscience. Because if you don't think it's right, don't do it. Because it is that powerful. That's right. right. I was amazed by that. Uh, I just... uh, that's a very important study that I have that I found down in the archives in D.C., not part of the department. I went down, I got that. It was attached to the Project Best that I leaked to human events. It was sort of an attachment that, you know, when you want to get money, you know, from the feds, you, you have to attach what you've done in the past and all, right? So I went and found it. But, um, I, you know, people say, well, what, what can we do about it, you know? Sure. And, I, you know, I just say prayer is a very good idea because I really don't know uh, what we can do at this point except, you know, love our children and protect them as much as we can. Uh, I guess you have to cut off all television and media and everything and get outside with them again and, you know, go sledding and skiing and yeah. sailing and if you live in the inner city, you know, turn on the water, the fire hydrant in the summer and <laughs> jump around with them and play and hold them close to you. Yes, there you go. Absolutely. Hold them very close. It's very sad. Yeah. I mean, I just... Yeah. How can any of us look at children in this day and age yeah. and not weep? Right, right. Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the youth are our future, and um, uh, you, you've been looking at this and studying this for decades. And, of course, uh, uh, what you provided to uh, Dr. Sutton and then what is being uh, made available currently by, uh, by your son, Sam, uh, yep. goes, down, goes down a road that connects uh, agendas that predate both of our lifetimes, oh, and yeah. it goes back quite a ways. 
Um, oh yes, I mean it really does. I mean, I was how old? I was a, I was a little tot when Carnegie was messing around there, making all these plans to change America to a, a socialist, fascist, communist system. Yeah, I mean, and that doesn't mean all the other foundations weren't involved too. But but no, Carnegie was key, and I hope people will go and read that little book and just type conclusions into the search engine. And I hope they'll go to my. Uh, the websites, DeliberateDumbingDown.com, AmericanDeception.com. And there's a very good blog that I had for a short time, mm-hmm. and it's called ABCS, like ABCs, of Dumb Down, one word, D-U-M-B-D-O-W-N, dot blogspot.com. That is a really great website because what it did for the short period we had it Every time something would happen in education, you know, with the ESSA or one of the bills, you know, every child succeeds, all this stuff, or whatever was happening in our towns with HUD and housing and urban development and and everything, charter schools, uh, I would go and take something out of my book, you know, and I'd bring it up to date, and and we'd show it to the people and say, look, Mm -hmm. this is not new. Right, right. So okay. that's a terrific blog, and it it does bring you. It takes you from the sixties with major projects that were being put into Montgomery County, Maryland, and other and New York State, uh, all the way through a couple of years ago. Okay, with the major projects that had to, things that had to take place and be implemented in order to put us under a totalitarian system. Which, which is school to work. I mean, look, what, what's more, I mean, I, I think of Eugene Boyce, Georgia, University of Georgia. He said, he's top university guy, he's dead now. In communist countries, they do not educate for jobs that don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> That's the definition of Betsy DeVos's Charter schools and Donald oh, Trump's boy. plan. Wow. Oh, wake up, America. Yeah, wake up, America. Long overdue here. Oh, my goodness. Well, hold your children close to you. That's probably the only thing I can say. Yeah. Uh, that might be just a solution. Get close to them. Yes. And everything they do, watch it. Oh, get, turn the TV off. Try to keep them away from the bad stuff in the computer. They're going to use computers, but but there are things you can do. You can keep them occupied. There are all sorts of things parents can do that kids love, you know, like baking cookies and and uh, gardening and, and get out with your children. You've got to the more time, that really is the only thing you can do. That's the only place you still have a... Uh, influence because they haven't you know that they'd love to get you away from your children of course that's the whole plan but uh don't let it happen you have some control over that wow incredible charlotte absolutely incredible uh, certainly as you know uh the pesticide was sprayed uh, down in miami to combat the uh the zika threat and so from my standpoint and the standpoint of of, of other folks uh, in the Windwood and the Miami Beach area was that that was an invasion of uh, of airspace. So the even even the get outside um, yep. is becoming a, very controversial. 
Oh, yes. I mean, that, that, that's the most tragic, horrible, horrible thing that happened. And uh, we have to be very careful. Of course, of course, we know that they want our guns. I mean, they always have. Uh, but the thing is that some of the gun controls, some of the very loose gun controls, like Sam's interesting, you know, he's a Marine, yeah. active duty, and, and he's, he's for some small forms of, you know, he, didn't, he doesn't go for the total leniency on carrying, you know, and uh, yeah. allowing to carry without a permit and without some knowledge of how to handle a gun. Sure. He's pretty, pretty strong on that. You know, he, uh, and he's never shot any, anything, even though he was a <laughs> combat Marine, but he was on a, on a truck, an anti-tank, very, very fine rifleman, huh? He knows how to shoot, but he wouldn't kill a bug. But uh, so he's not. That's the way most Americans are, really. You know, they're hunters. If you do the statistics, yeah. you'll see that the crimes committed by the average American who has a gun uh, are just almost zero. Mm -hmm. And you have to do the, the research there. So we've got to protect that, but we've also got to be, you know, a little open-minded to some sensitive, sensible. Um, precautions in in uh, licensing guns and um, we can't just go overboard everywhere i think the media wants us to do that on everything they want us to all hate each other that's for sure that's right absolutely <laughs> order out of chaos oh yeah i mean they want all of us to hate each other that and i refuse to do that uh i just i can't it's not in me and uh We've got to be very careful about that. We're all human beings. We all have the same feelings, the same wants, needs, et cetera, right? Right. Charlotte, mm -hmm. thank you so much for, for coming on the program. Um, really appreciate your time. Are, is, there, is, there, is there anything that you would like to leave with listeners, whether it's uh, the UN Agenda 2030, that they probably have no idea? Oh, well, 2030 is really bad, and uh, it's being implemented everywhere in the smart cities. They call it smart cities. That, that includes the COPS program. And uh, everywhere you see unelected boards where they're breaking down the borders, they've done pretty much the job. It's pretty complete. Maine is terrible, just awful. Our, our conservative governor just has signed a couple of executive orders here. One is for complete consolidation of schools in order to put in the workforce training because he's controlled by heritage right and uh, then the other one is moving the uh jail uh the operation of the jails to under his central command at the state level wow. and so uh watch these things and really i mean they have no right to be putting in all of these things without our say yeah right exactly you know Right. Well, you're mighty nice to have me on. I appreciate it. Keep up your good work. I've heard very good things about you. I must have to admit, I did not know about you until you called me. Thank you. Okay, that's nice to hear. And um, I look forward to speaking with you again. Okay, fine. And everybody, God bless all of you out there. And don't forget, hold your children very close. Thank you, Charlotte. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlotte Iserbit. She's A, been privy to 
some extremely sensitive information. B, she's associated to some extremely powerful individuals. You heard her. Talk about both of those things. It is my objective, folks, to deliver to you information and background so that you can make your own conclusions. You just heard Charlotte admonish that you hold your family close to you. I extend an admonishment that you stand up for what has made this country a global leader. And that, in my opinion, is the U.S. Constitution. Now, a few remarks in regards to the society that Charlotte and her family have been connected to. And that Anthony Sutton spoke about. My connection was that the local population here got sprayed with a toxic pesticide. A dear friend of mine, who happens to be Jewish, and he remains a dear friend of mine. Regardless of what Cameron Joseph at Talking Points Memo has said about me, I love people of all ethnicities, all races, and all religions. We are all human beings, as Charlotte just said. But as I listened to 300 local residents to Miami Beach scream essentially at the top of their lungs at the mayor and his other, I believe it was seven, commissioners to stop spraying Nailed, and the mayor and his commissioners, except for one, refused to listen to the people, I thought, A, that is no democratic value in this republic that we all stand for. And B, what is it about that pesticide? Nailed was banned and is banned by the European Union as it's a known neurotoxin. It is known out of studies from Sweden, or a study anyway, via chem-talks.com, to cause microcephaly, which is neurological damage to the developing brain of a fetus in a pregnant woman. The same argument that the CDC was saying Sika was a threat of to the local population. Does that sound Hegelian to you? The pesticide is manufactured today by a Los Angeles company, Vanguard Chemical Corporation. However, its patents, I understand, reside with the Chevron Chemical Corporation. And here's the link. The Rockefellers, or the Rockefeller Foundation, holds a patent over the Zika 
virus. They were also the largest shareholders of that same company, Chevron Chemical Corporation, that developed the pesticide that was used in Miami last year called Nailid. That road led me to Stanford Hoover fellow Anthony Sutton. That road led me to the society out of Yale, 322, that the Bushes, the Rockefellers, John Kerry, many other prominent figures in U.S. government have been associated to. And thus, we were very fortunate to have on show former senior advisor to the Department of Education under the Reagan administration, Charlotte Iserbeit. Draw your own conclusion, folks. I simply aim to deliver to you a better understanding of the world that we are living in from the research that others have presented. These are troubling times, and certainly they're not getting any better. And I urge you not only to cling and hug your families tight, but stand up for what you know is right. And from my understanding, the U.S. Constitution is the most perfect piece of document legislation that was ever written. Stand up for it. Exercise your right to free speech. Exercise your right to free press. And like Charlotte said, do not divide. We must unite. The major political parties in the country today are basically controlled by large corporations. And you must ask yourself, are those tied to what controls the government? Are they tied to the Federal Reserve? And what groups pull the strings to those? And are they tied to the society at Yale that Charlotte speaks of? Draw your own conclusions, folks. But we must stand up and vocalize our opinions. And we must not... Be quiet. This has been your weekly edition of Discussions. I am your host, Ian Trottier. This is Winwood Radio. Thank you for listening. Please tell a friend and please visit my website, iantrottier.com. That's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, both handles, at I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. I will be back with you next week. Same day, same time. That's Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard with Ellen Brown, founder and president of Public Banking Institute.
Until then, folks, be awesome.